Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Sydney Bass. She is a personal stylist, mindset coach, and business strategist. She brings structure and organization coupled with subconscious rewiring to help people streamline and simplify the chaos around them, whether it's in their closets, life, or business. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. Sydney, welcome to the space. Hello. I think I'm live. <laughs> you are. Hello. Yay. Hello. <laughs> hello. You did it. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm so happy. It's been a minute since we've spoken. I know. I got the reminder popped up and I was like, oh, awesome. I'm about creativity. Like, let me get in my podcast mode. <laughs> Let's get in this space. Oh, this is going to be great. So before we dive in, could you just tell us just a little bit more about yourself and then we will dive into the would you rather question in the other conversation? Yeah. Absolutely. So I am, oh, my name is Sydney. Um, I am, like you said so beautifully, a personal stylist. I'm a mindset coach and I'm a business strategist. And throughout all of that work, I really put in a lot of the mindset. So if it's business or if it's style, I'm doing mindset work. I'm doing subconscious rewiring work with people because I feel like that's so, so, so important. Um, mm. I live in Richmond, Virginia with my husband, my two cats, and our nine chickens. <laughs> and, you know, like, <laughs> love being outside. And, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into more more details. Yeah, we're going to get into a ton. And there's so much in what I call this creating your individualized style shopping secondhand is mm -hmm. – uh, there's your your journey is so interesting and i can't wait for people to find out more about it to how you got to this point and how you're moving forward to all the other things you're going to do um that maybe haven't even been created yet yeah. but i'm going to start with the would you rather and okay. then we'll dive in so sydney are you ready i'm ready okay would you rather be able to control water or fire water very fast <laughs> I'm tapping into my subconscious. 
<laughs> and I water is way scarier to me than fire. Mm -hmm. So I would mm -hmm. like to control water. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, because when I kind of do intuitive hits on this, I was, I guess part of me is in this too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I really like the ocean, let's say. Mm, yeah. Love and respect. Like the ocean is my happy space. Yeah. Completely relax, love, respect it. But going into the water kind of freaks me out. Yes. I feel the same. I love being around water. Like in Richmond, we have an amazing river that runs through it. And I, it's so grounding to be in new water. And I think like you said, I have, I just have respect for water because it's a powerful, powerful force. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like one of those, uh, I think it's like masculine and feminine, like literally wrapped mm -hmm. up into one. It's yes. like, oh, it's just kind of ebbing and flowing and going, <laughs> but you mess with it and it has power, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Well, thank you for that. So uh, <laughs> let's dive in. The first official, official question is how do you define creativity? Oh. Uh, I love this question because as you know, we talked about in our kind of pre-chat a while mm -hmm. back is that I don't uh, think of myself sometimes as like a creative person in the traditional sense, right? Which is like the point of your podcast. And so yeah. I think for me, when I think about creativity now, it really is that element of how is this thing like fun to me? What mm -hmm. is that like spark of energy? What is that spark of aliveness? that is making this idea or this thing or this outfit or business idea come to life. And so for me, that is how I look at if something is like creative for myself. Mm. And there's almost actually a sense of fire in that when you said mm -hmm. spark. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> I just thought of that when I, I guess it was, um, you know, the word yeah. spark and that kind of that creation, the, the aliveness of it. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay, this is beautiful. So tell us about your journey to me. I'm going to kind of put a framework um, okay. to me. Why I keep saying it's so interesting yeah. is because the master's in social work. Mm -hmm. So here working with at-risk youth, being immersed in that, that setting, in that mindset, in that, that way of being, and then to where you are now. So can you please kind of tell us the, tell us your story, your journey and wherever you want to start, um, please. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that framework. Mm -hmm. So yes, like you said, I have a master's in social work and it is on the like administration program policy, like planning side, the very kind of like structured, um, changing things from the policy level. And in that, I also did a lot of grant writing for nonprofits, like federal grants, private grants. So there's a very kind of structured, logical, mm -hmm. um, systematic side to my personality and to who I am and how I like move through the world. And that is just kind of what I thought my path was going to be. Um, I went to school for that. I went to grad school for that. And along the way, I was actually in my internship. I think it was in like 2009. And I just stumbled upon style blogs, fashion blogs, right? They're everywhere now. Everyone, you know, has a blog and there's influencers and all of these things. But 
2009 ish was kind of when they were sort of, they probably started a little bit before that, but coming to the general awareness. And I just thought it was so cool that people were getting dressed and putting their outfits on the internet. And it was something that was really interesting to me because I had always thrifted and I Mm. loved finding pieces that nobody else had, or I loved um, just kind of experimenting with things. And I would definitely say that my like outfits and things I put together were not that great (laughs) by any (laughs) means. Um, And I wasn't super into fashion. So it wasn't from a fashion idea. I think it was just from finding something cool and different that people didn't have. And so long-ish story short, I put kind of started a blog and it was very rambly when I first started. And eventually I found my niche in secondhand shopping and really going to thrift stores, going to consignment boutiques, um, putting together outfits that are primarily secondhand. And that sort of in turn kind of fueled my love for like more sustainable ways of dressing and how do you approach, you know, adding things to your closet and shopping and over time that morphed into me learning about personal styling as an industry. Like I had no idea this was even a job that Mm. I could do or that people were Mm -hmm. doing that people would pay you to go through their closet or to shop for them or to put together outfits. And by virtue of being a blogger, I ended up covering a stylist training um, in DC, which was near me. And I was just so fascinated. Like I loved the creativity that I was seeing and the photographers and the models and the how people were dressing and just the references to movies or cultural or art. Like it was all like intertwined, right? Like you could reference anything and sort of turn it into like an outfit or a theme or something that was just really, really fun. And it just kind of sparked that interest. There's the fire analogy again mm-hmm. in me. Um, and so I started to work with friends and family. And this whole time I was working my day job in the social work field. So I was doing grant writing um, for mental health and substance abuse, prisoner reentry, doing nonprofit board development, like these very um, different, this is just different type of work. Yeah. And a couple years had kind of gone by and I ended up actually getting uh, laid off from that full-time job and had kind of felt that, well, this is like the time if I want to work for myself and make something happen, this is my chance. Cause I don't really want to go try to find another job. I have some styling clients. I can explore this. And I also had some freelance grant writing clients. So I was like, I think I can do it. And so that kind of started me on self-employment journey, which is where I've been ever since. Um, And things have shifted and changed a lot through there. That's kind of the beginning part of how I ended up where I am now. So, okay. I'm I'm just processing. (laughs) You can't see me. You can't see me, everybody. It's like I'm processing information. So, no, but I think this is great. And it's such a, it's so many people I think can relate to scenarios like this. It's this whole this whole unraveling, this whole unwrapping. Mm. And we don't know, this goes back to this, you know, if this is new to somebody or you've heard it a gazillion times, you don't know the how, it just kind of starts to, you start noticing things and then you start getting interested in things and then you start taking action on things. Mm -hmm. So when you started your blog, I'm curious, like, is this something that got immediate attention or were you just doing it kind of for yourself? No, no immediate attention. Definitely not. Um, Totally for myself. It was, I guess, as a creative outlet, if you will. Um, And I thought it was just really fun and really cool. And it definitely got attention 
um, in Richmond, like where I live, it's a very small city um, in a good way. Like everybody kind of knows each other. And so Mm -hmm. definitely attention that way, but it was something that was just fun for me. Um, At one point, my other two sisters and I, because we loved vintage and thrifting so much, we started like a mini business selling vintage and thrifted clothes, which um, we kind of quickly learned it's a lot of work to do that. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. stopped, but um, yeah, it was just, it was fun. And I think I was kind of surprised at how fun and how, I guess, good I was at styling at helping people put together outfits like I had this kind of innate skill of like oh let's try this with this and my clients would always say like oh I never would have thought of that and in my Mm. head my response was like really Really? like (laughs) okay like it was kind of mind-blowing like it seems so obvious to me and I think part of that does just come from this idea of like just experiment with stuff like put it together if it doesn't work like that's fine. It's not going to always work. That happens with me all of the time. I'll go through like five different iterations of an outfit today before mm-hmm. I land on something. And I think I just was really comfortable with that idea of playing and exploring. And so that became really just something fun and creative of how do we make this outfit uh, yes. even cooler, right? Even more fun, even more you, whoever that you was that I was working with. So how do we make this outfit you? It's kind of, it's so funny. It's it's that zone of genius, right? Mm-hmm. Like it comes easily to you. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's so often it's like, really? Like you never <laughs> thought of that? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but this whole idea of play, this whole idea of not being so judgy, this whole idea of, oh, well, maybe that mismatch outfit actually is really cool. The different textures, the different colors, the different patterns. It's out of my comfort zone. But how do you get, how do you help guide people to that space of getting out of, because we have this perception of what we like and what Mm -hmm. we look like, Mm -hmm. but people see something different. I remember somebody telling me about this thing called the real mirror or something like that. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of that term, but... I have a feeling I know what you're like where you're going with this. And it's interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. But so go on. Yes. So I don't remember if that's exactly what it's called. But anyway, it's like this real mirror where you look in it and you see how people are really seeing you Mm -hmm. because it's not a reversed image. Yeah. So when you look it up and when you watch videos and you see it's like some people start to cry. Some people are like, oh, my God, like that's that's Mm -hmm. me. Um, so I guess the question in this is, you know, what is, well, I kind of said before, how do you help people get to that space of, I see this Mm -hmm. and guide them to it? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, and so this is where the like organized logical (laughs) systems version of my brain comes in, in a way, because when I talk to people about style now, and this is actually, this has shifted over the years, um, but I talk about it through the lens of someone's structure of style. And that is kind of broken down into your colors, your body type and shape, the um, fabrics that you like, the brands that you like, there's kind of all of these elements. Um, The 
the vibe that you want to be putting out and emoting through your style, right? I usually talk about it. It's kind of like, what are the, mm -hmm. what are a few words that you really want to feel like when you get dressed? So it's less about like, what outfits do you want to copy? Mm. And more of how do you want to feel? What image do you want to project? And I think for a lot of my clients, having this structure, this formula gives them kind of a playbook to understand I'm going to say the rules around body type and shape and getting dressed and how they want to look and appear. And then the freedom to also expand out of that and play with it, to experiment with it, to break the rules, but to understand how and why and when to break them. Mm. And so we do a lot of the inner work um, as well. So there's kind of a lot of stuff going on. We'll, I'll notice language in people and, you know, we'll talk about sometimes like our best assets. And I have to check myself sometimes too, because I will fall into that language. And it's like, well, everything is a best asset, really, right? Like there may be things that we don't like or like as much, but let's think differently about how we're talking about our own selves and our own bodies. Because I think that is a part of helping us understand the real mirror, right? Yeah. And a lot of what I do too is just help people find the things that work within their structure. And so then they get almost like an internal shift, which then changes the external way in which they see themselves. Um, mm. Even this week with a client, I'll have them go through an exercise where they get dressed every day and, you know, take a picture and send it to me. And we kind of dissect, well, why did you put this on? How do you feel? What's working? What's not working? Like little tweaks, right? To the kind of technical formal side of it. And then how did you feel in this outfit? How would you like to feel different? Um, and my client this past week, she's like, I just, I felt so, she had so many revelations. So she was like, I felt so much more confident. It made me realize there's so much more in my closet that I actually can wear and I like wearing. She particularly is kind of post having kids. And so she's reclaiming herself. Um, and so I think it's just all of those different pieces combined that really help someone shift and I totally think people can do this on their own as well. Sometimes you just need that guide, right? Or someone yeah. that can get kind of give you that structure for yourself so that you know it and you learn it. And then you're able to follow it afterwards. Yeah. I, I It's so important, I think, to have someone help guide you through it because we know these voices in our heads. Yeah. We know all of this of because uh, and we know the stuckness that we feel. So it's so helpful to have a third party who I like how you keep using the word structure, mm -hmm. um, who can create the structure to then allow for more expression and freedom. Yeah. Uh, that's scary too, right? Like yeah. stepping yeah. out of the comfort zone. We're so used to what we're used to that we may not, we have blinders on in a way. And so we need that safe place to play and experiment if you, to, you know, if you want to step out of your comfort zone, like you can, like it's holding your hand through the process, yeah. right? It's, it's not, I'm not pushing you out of the plane. You're not skydiving um, yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. There's the like help and assistance along the way. Could you please share with us in whichever order you want? Um, I'm interested in more of the, the journey to the mindset work that you mm -hmm. utilize that and actually touching on more about secondhand shopping and why why it's a um 
better for the earth. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's, I'll go in order. So in terms of the mindset piece, I think I had also like, same with styling. I had no idea like mindset and personal growth was really like a thing until I started working for myself. And I think I was about two years in and was just working on like business things and like an online course and kind of just discovered this subset of how mindset is connected to business and how working through a lot of your personal things can have an impact on business or just your life in general. And so I started to sort of go down that rabbit hole of reading books and, you know, doing courses and all of these things. And I think it really became even more important to me when I was going through my divorce in 2019 because I was getting a chance to kind of really dive in to the stuff I had been learning Mm -hmm. and apply it not necessarily to business, but to like myself and my life, which again, does have this trickle down effect. But I was um, doing like, I did a lot of hypnotherapy sessions. I had a regular therapist and he was um, definitely into like somatic therapy and body therapy. We did like Mm. art mandala drawings, which the like part of me that says I'm not creative was like, I don't want to draw because I'm terrible at drawing. Um, Mm -hmm. Those were some of the most like impactful things though, to be able to look at a visual representation of kind of like how I was feeling in my journey. And so there was just all of these tools and things that I was using and seeing a difference in my own life and learning about on a very kind of surface level and semi implementing with my clients. And I really wanted to, understand them deeper and have the tools. And so this past April, I went and got trained in neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, which is all around the language that we use, trained in emotional freedom technique, which a lot of people know as tapping, um, Mm -hmm. hypnotherapy, success coaching, and time techniques, which is really cool. And one of my favorite things, it's where you can process and kind of go either back to the past or out into the future, but you can really address emotions around events that may still be impacting you and you can kind of Mm. lessen or reduce them. And it's really cool and it's kind of crazy how it works. But I wanted to have those modalities deeper in me because I use them so much. Right. And have seen how awesome they are. And I also just believe everything is so intertwined, right? Like (laughs) life Mm -hmm. and business and how we get dressed and how we feel and how we show up. And so everything's like affecting everything else that I wanted to bring that to my clients in business coaching, especially because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in your head, right? When you're running a business. And then also to my styling clients, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our heads when we're trying to get dressed and we're trying to shop and coming up against all of those sometimes self-imposed roadblocks, but I don't think they have to be roadblocks. I think we can work through them and either Mm. get rid of them or we can lessen them. We can have them not affect people as much on a daily basis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before you move on to to the other part, I just, I've never heard of time techniques. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's, um, awesome. (laughs) Like it's, there's this whole thing, it's called like your timeline and It's, you know, your timeline from current out to the future, and then you can go past. For some people, they'll go into, like, the womb or past lives um, or ancestors as well because it's, again, it's kind of all connected. And it, the few people that I've done it with so far, it's just been a very 
it's been such a release of the thing mm. they've been holding on to that has still mm. been affecting them in the present. Mm-hmm. And when they can go into that space and release it and process it and work through it, they come back into the today, into the present, so much clearer without those lingering negative emotions. So that's under uh, hypnotherapy, right? Like they're hypnotized? Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, there's some hypnotherapy in there. There's some like NLP. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot of kind of subconscious work involved in that. Yeah. 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 So much goodness because we get in our way so much about, uh-huh. oh my gosh, that subconscious. Um, ah, <laughs> so, <laughs> so such a deep thing. And when we're entrepreneurs and when we're so passionate about what we're doing and all those stories that come up, um, it's so interesting when you dive into any or all of these techniques that you're mentioning and you're like, wow, so that's where, (laughs) that's where it's coming from. Or, oh my gosh, I didn't make that connection. Mm -hmm. And even journaling, honestly, that is really, really helpful for me. The act of just like writing things. Yeah. That brings up a lot of patterns for me and a lot of connections. And sometimes I'll be on, you know, totally different topic but journaling and something will come up that's like related to this topic I was thinking about or working on like a month ago or something. So it's that whole um, automatic writing. Yeah. Where you literally just write, 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 write. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is pretty amazing where it does feel like channeling at some yes. points. You're like, where did, where did that come from? I, I uh-huh. didn't, I, I didn't realize like the power in that. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause I've gotten lots of ideas for, for lives and just things um, in general within my business or just things as a human. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, big light bulb moment right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So with the secondhand shopping, I have Mm -hmm. to say my mom always, always loved it. And she would say, and now my daughter Mm -hmm. like is in love with it. And my mom would say, she's like, I don't know if it's because she's like, I just really love the feeling that it was owned before mm-hmm. and that it has a history. Yeah. Um, and my daughter loves, it's kind of like when you were talking about, you know, uh, the individualization of it, you really just like finding something that nobody else necessarily has. Mm-hmm. Cause there are so many, there's so many gems in that. I honestly have gained more patience for it. Um, mm-hmm with my daughter because she is so passionate and she'll educate me and say why, you know, from her perspective, why it's better to do, um, uh, for the planet and, um, why she likes it. So I have gained more patience, but there's part of me that's kind of like, Oh my God, this is so overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) But I find that in stories anyway for myself personally, but, but yeah, so tell, tell us a little bit more about the, the perks and the, um, Please. So, and I would say first, like the when you know your structure of style, right? That makes shopping in general less overwhelming because mm-hmm. you can immediately either cut out certain colors or patterns or shapes and you can kind of hone in on what you know you do love. So it's a lot easier to just kind of go through and really erase in your mind the stuff that is not 
you that's not kind of in your structure and then that structure obviously can change and shift over time and it does and it should but it gives you these really good guidelines mm, so i love that for me when i'm walking into either a thrift store or like a consignment store or like a secondhand boutique or anything like that or even looking for like luxury secondhand on sites like the real real i like I like being surprised by what I'm going to find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of my approach. I was talking about this with a friend the other day of anytime I'm trying to like find a really specific something, whether it's retail or especially if it's a thrift store, like secondhand, like I will never find it. Like it just is not going to be there in the store. <laughs> like if I'm trying to be so specific mm. and then that is stressful, right? It's like, oh, I want this thing. I can't find it. I've gone to 10 stores. Nobody has it. Like you do kind of get into that. And so I like to take the approach of, yes, I have things like I want. I have a list. I have things that, you know, will fill certain specific holes in my wardrobe. And I am looking for those things, but I'm also okay with waiting for like that piece to find me. Ah, yes. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up or anxious, right? It's like, I have to have this thing now, or like I have this list and there's 10 items on it and I need this. And it's like, no, you don't, like you really don't. You haven't (laughs) had them up until now, right? right? Like, so (laughs) you don't need them or you would have gotten them already, right? Like, and that's, it's, um, so it's kind of funny when people, you know, say that or think about it, but I like, like I said, I like to be surprised and I'm okay with waiting for the Mm. the surprise or for the right thing to come up because I do want to consciously spend my money on the right thing or maybe not the right thing, but that one piece that is going to kind of meet my requirements, meet my structure. So I want it to be either of good quality or a sustainable brand, or I want to find it secondhand and I want it, you know, to have the feel and the vibe that I want. And so Sometimes there's a lot <laughs> that I'm putting on these pieces, right? And um, hmm. and so I have to wait. And that very much is like counter to like fast fashion or it's counter to, you know, how consumerism is. But I also think when we can wait and we can be surprised, hmm. our wardrobes can be more fun. Yeah. Like there's more creativity in that. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so brilliant. And it's making me laugh because (laughs) as my daughter and I are driving to uh, a thrift shop, um, uh, I'll say, well, you need a shirt. You need this. You need that. She's like, stop it. (laughs) She's saying exactly. She's like, I will find what I will find. Yeah. And just like you just said, it will not in those words exactly, but to that mm-hmm. same effect, she'll be like, it'll, it'll find me. It'll. Mm-hmm. And if it's another shirt, then it's another shirt. And one time we went and she'd been looking for overalls and wasn't able to find. And when we went on this one particular day, two pairs of overalls were found and she's like, look at this. That's awesome. That's like better than what she even wanted in the first place. It was talk about manifesting and she cut them into shorts and um, she, you know, altered them the way she wanted. But the look on her face as she's doing this is literally gold. And I sit there and watch and I'm like, wow, we just went up and visited her this weekend. She's up in New York and she 
she thrifted this um she doesn't wear dresses usually but she mm -hmm. thrifted this longer like to her ankle black dress that really tight fitting she's like and i could i could you know pair it up with this and that and when she put it on it was like it was made for her i mean yeah. it couldn't it couldn't have fit more perfectly mm -hmm. that's so fun it really is and it's kind of like what you're saying is it's the fun of it it's the mm -hmm. knowing knowing you being in touch and connected with you mm -hmm. by creating the structure like you said you can i can just bypass the whole section of yellow ochre because that doesn't work for me <laughs> yeah and it does and i i love telling people to keep a list right because when you're going through your closet you're getting dressed and you're like oh i would really benefit from x y and z like keep a list and you can hunt for that specifically and then sometimes it will just find you and i this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was popped into a thrift store. I was just looking around. I found this awesome like sleeveless black turtleneck sweater. Like that's totally in my structure of style. And I bought it and it, it was only later that I was going back and just looking through my list on my phone of like clothes that I've said at some point in time would be good for my wardrobe. I had on there a black sleeveless turtleneck sweater. Mm. <laughs> like I didn't consult my list before going in. Um, but because mm. I kind of had that innate knowledge of my structure style and what I'm attracted to, and I, and I do think because I had written it down, like it was in there, mm. do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, even without me like actively checking on it. And I probably wrote that down like months ago, like three or six months ago is when I was like, huh, I want, I think I would like this thing. It would be really helpful to me. And so again, it's a patience too. And just like waiting for it. Cause sometimes we think we need something and we go out and buy it. And then it's not the right thing. It doesn't match all of our requirements or the things that we want out of our clothing. And so then we never wear it. Like we haven't taken the time. We just impulse purchase it on Amazon <laughs> and it kind of sits there. Whereas now it's like, Oh, this piece, like it, it's perfect. And I did have to wait a little bit and exercise patience, but I found it eventually. And I was perfectly fine these past, you know, six months without it too. It wasn't, it didn't come up really again for me. Right. Um, but now that I have it, I think I, I probably wear it like once a week now. Like, it's just so awesome. I love it. So interesting. Cause it is so counterintuitive, um, mm -hmm. to just checking off the list. Uh, okay. So we've, you've kind of alluded to some things, but let's dive into the next question, which is more about, um, how do you personally, Sydney, create, um, put more creativity into your own life for you? Yeah, I feel like I kind of have to like work at this a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just because, you know, I have my own, I should probably journal on this. Like, why do I feel like I'm not creative or like, how do I, you know, do that? But well, I right, right there is journaling. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt, but journaling yes. is one. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's being intentional with my time and space to, to like allow myself to have the space to be creative. Mm -hmm. yes. So I think part of it is definitely, you know, through clothes and through my wardrobe and what I am sourcing. And I think a lot of times that shifts and I'm kind of in a shift now of like switching up some of my style and I'm searching for particular things. And so that's like a creative kind of endeavor. Mm -hmm. um, 
but there is, you know, the journaling, um, the different kind of modalities and things. And I think a lot of time it does come down to space and like simplifying. I like that. Because it's not about, it's like I say in the beginning, it's not about a pencil and a paintbrush. Mm -hmm. It's expanding this concept to time and space because creativity is life. It's in all of the moments. It's taking something that didn't exist and now it exists. Whether that's a thought, an object, a a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me about, do you have interest in music? Tell me about your chickens. Tell me about... Like that, that's a creativity in itself. Oh my gosh. I love my chickens. I could talk about them all day, every day. Um, it's a very fairly new endeavor for us. We got 10 little chicks back in March. And so they, you know, we, they grew up, we kept them inside. Like we didn't know anything about them. Our friends had got them, which inspired us to get them. And I had wanted chickens for a while. Mm-hmm. And so did my husband and we just kind of were like, okay, we had a lot in our heads of like, well, we don't know anything about them. We don't have a chicken coop. We should probably have these things before we get chickens. And then we we're like, well, that's just going to prevent us from getting the chickens, right? Like we need to get the chicks and then we'll have to do these other things. Like we have no choice. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we built a chicken coop for them and I'm in these like chicken Facebook groups and learning all about them. And they are just funny, interesting animals. Like, mm-hmm. I love how they run. They run so funny. Like, they little, like, waddle run. <laughs> they make the weirdest noises that I didn't even know chickens made. Um, we ended up in our batch of 10 with three roosters, which is oh. not what we intended. <laughs> um, so we ended up rehoming two, and we did keep one, and that's also an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, roosters have a lot of rooster energy. <laughs> tell us, tell us um, a little bit about the rooster they, energy. Oh my gosh, the rooster we have is fairly friendly. Like he's pretty. Like he's we kept him because he was the friendliest, and he'd sit with us and whatnot. And they're so interesting because they just stand around and they like look for predators and they kind of take care of the hens. Um, they also like to just mate with the hens at any given moment as much as they want. <laughs> Like the ratio of roosters to hens is one rooster for 10 hens. Oh my God. Right. Like, like they need that many hens to keep them satisfied. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> it's just like a wild, like surprise twist to our chicken journey. Um, but we have eight, eight hens and all of them are laying now. It, t- it takes hen- them like three or four months before they started laying. And one of them just started laying, and she is laying green eggs, which is very exciting. So Ooh. everyone has just, like, kind of, you know, the normal, like, various shades of, like, tan and, like, white, and they're very beautiful. Um, we had two breeds that had a green – could have either a green, pink, or blue gene to lay those types of eggs. And so <gasps> now we, we have one, which is very fun. <laughs> wow. So that's within the gene of the chicken. Yeah. Yeah, because we have two of the same breed. It's called an Americana. They're like a human bred breed. They're really cute. They're really funny. They're kind of, um, our friend described them as they're kind of like the chicken gray gray. And what's that? There's like a kid's movie, Moana, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And like the chicken's kind of like a little bumbly, like (laughs) um, kind of thing. And so they're kind of like that, but they're really cute and they're small and they're funny. But yes, they have different 
genes for laying different colored eggs. And so you don't really know what it's going to be. So interesting. Mm -hmm. But okay, so in this journey that you took, so this is great. So not something that you expected. Yeah, it just no, kind of happened. Mm -hmm. Love that you said, and this realization of, which is what we all do so often, well, I can't do that until I have this and this mm -hmm. and this and this. You're just like, nope, let's break those subconscious, let's break those <laughs> barriers, let's just do it, and then we'll figure it out. And then all of this stuff that you're learning about chickens, the way they walk, the sounds that they make, the way they interact, the all of this has, it forms and shapes you as a person in this mm -hmm. curiosity and this playfulness into who knows what next. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. We, I mean, chickens are like wild animals in a way, right? Like we've domesticated them. But when we first had them, they would be outside and it would start to rain. And my husband and I were like, oh, we need to like get them to the coop right away. Like they can't be in the rain. And like we had to like, we're like, <laughs> I, I think this is fine. Like we need to not helicopter parent like our chickens, right? Like he kind of says, he's like, this is our test run to see how we're going to be as parents. Can we be with the chickens? Sure. You know, like, <laughs> can we let them be okay? And so, yeah, it's just, you know, we said yes to chickens. And I definitely have times where I'm like, why did we get these chickens? Like I'm over the chickens. They had like a terrible twos phase. I feel like they're in like a teenager phase sometimes. Like, um so but it's it is it's so fun my husband always says he's like you don't get chickens like if you're just like a normal person and not a farmer you don't get them for the eggs because they're like really expensive eggs mm. and it's more about the experience <laughs> the life experience mm -hmm. of having these chickens two things you just made me think of that are just what they're just related to animals so we acquired this turtle completely <laughs> by accident in a sense my mm -hmm. son was with his best friend and they got the turtles where they treat them really poorly and like have three oh, little yeah. turtles in those small containers mm -hmm. so they had that and they were releasing it into a, a nearby river and anyway this one kept swimming back the oh. other swam off and this one kept swimming back so my son is just like well now i feel really bad <laughs> so oh. they put it back in the container and anyway his friend mm -hmm. gave it to my son and and anyway, my son forgot about it and left it. He went into, he came in, he went outside first thing in the morning at three o'clock in the morning to go to work. And all of a sudden he hears like swishing. He's like, oh my God, the turtle. Oh, no. <laughs> so all of this to paint a picture of. So then he brings it in. And of course I'm like, we have three cats. We are not taking care of a turtle. Well, two and a half years later, uh -huh. you know, yeah. the turtle has become my husband's turtle and it has, it has grown and it is all this. So my husband's always, always like, well, we have to change the water. It's really dirty. <laughs> my son says, well, I'm sure every turtle in the lake is just like, you need to change my water. It's really right. dirty. Right. Oh <laughs> and I'm gosh. like, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I probably don't need to clean out the chicken coop as much as I do, you know, like, like, give that a rest <laughs> <laughs> these humanism things that we do we're like yes. it needs to be mm. clean yeah and which yeah so i just thought that was kind of funny and definitely animals do train you for parenthood <laughs> when we had our first two cats when we were living in new york in a small apartment and blah blah, blah and one of the cats needed emergency 
surgery, he actually had a blockage, like mm. a kidney blockage. Mm-hmm. And it was Poor the thing. middle of the night and he yeah. was in so much pain. And my husband and I were sitting in, <laughs> we're in New York City from the apartment to the ASPCA was, took about 10 minutes mm-hmm. for him to get in the bag, in the bag, get a taxi, get to the space. And while we were in the taxi, we're like, hmm, we're a pretty good team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) We can kind of handle this. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, a little, I know. I feel like my husband and I are similar. Like, he's the kind of very calm, patient, grounding energy when I'm, like, amped up, like, oh, my gosh, we got to do this. We got to do that. Like, he's like, okay, let's take some deep breaths. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Calm down. I'm like, okay, okay, I got this. Thank you. (laughs) Makes a very good team. Mm So morning routine, do you have one? Uh, I do. It has shifted a lot over the years. Um, Now, our current morning routine, I tend to wake up pretty early around like five and I will do like a meditation or hypnosis or journaling um, in the morning. And then four days out of the week, we go rock climbing, my husband and I, to our rock climbing gym. We do that for a little while. We come home. Make breakfast usually together and get ready for the day, and that's really our morning routine. We're just wow. together, yeah. But it's kind of early, and it takes a, lo- a while. It's like a four-hour situation. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So, with the what time are you rock climbing by in the morning? We so the gym opens at six. We usually get there around six thirty. Wow, yeah, that's so impressive. It just takes a while. Like it takes a while to rock climb. Like. Um, especially with, you know, with two people, you're like switching on and off. And so usually we're there for about an hour and a half to two hours, sometimes a little bit longer to like get everything in. So tell me a little bit more about the rock climbing, (laughs) because I'm actually, I'm starting a, like a vodcast where I am being pushed out of my comfort zone to do things that scare me or make me uncomfortable. And that's one of them um, because of the height aspect. Sure. Uh, so I don't know, tell me yeah. a little bit more on how it feels if you've always liked it. Yes. If, yeah. Um, I would say, no, I haven't always liked it. And even now there are things that make me feel nervous <laughs> when mm-hmm. I do them. Um, I got into it. My brother was in Colorado probably about seven years ago. He took me climbing outside and I, I just loved, I loved it. Um, from that experience. And when you are rock climbing, there's like different styles of rock climbing and kind of different um, levels in which you can take it as like you progress in your skills. And so the very probably climbing like you will be doing is called top roping. So you would be like, you're attached to a rope with all of your gear and the rope is like up top above you, right? So like Mm -hmm. you may like quote unquote fall, but like you're not going to go anywhere because that rope is going to keep you in place. Right. And so there is a lot of times for people that are new climbing, it's getting used to um, the height and like trusting like where you're putting your feet, trusting where you're putting your hands, trusting the rope that you're not going to fall. Um, or if you do fall that you're fine, like you're just going to literally stay in the same spot more or less. Mm-hmm. Um and you're also working with like your person who is belaying you on the ground. So there is kind of that trust partnership on that person as well mm. um, because it is really a team effort. And so rock climbing is so good 
mentally. And there's so many parallels that I can see in like business and in life because first, like rock climbing people are so supportive. Like you could be climbing the easiest thing in the world. And if you're new at it, like people will just be like, you got this Hollis, you can do it. Like they will cheer Mm. for you. Like you can also be climbing something really hard and it's the same thing. People will be like, you got this, you can do it. Like, Mm. and it's never a failure when you fall because you're practicing it. Like Mm -hmm. literally what people in rock climbing call a route that they're working on, they call it a project. So you will work on your project until you get it. And that means you're going to like, you're going to fall a bunch of times. You're going to miss the holds. You're going to slip. You're going to do all this stuff. And in the meantime, you're going to develop better skills and more strength and ability. You're going to have a stronger mental muscle too to trust in yourself to get the hold that your feet are going to stay, that you know you're strong enough. And I would say like a lot of rock climbing is the mental game of mm. can I do this? Can I go this high? And when you develop that solidness in yourself, which can take time for people sometimes, I know for me, I still work on that. Like I did a climb the other day and I, it was a little scary for me. And um, there was a couple of times where I took a break and it's totally fine to take a break. Um, But I took a break. I hung out there and then I did the climb again and I did it so much better because Mm -hmm. I was used to it. Right. It was no longer a new thing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when there are these fears, whatever it is, um, in your closet or life or business or like things that you're trying, it's only scary because it's new and you've never done it before. You have no schema around what it's like, mm-hmm. right? And like once you do it once, you're like, oh, like when I cl- did the climb again, I was like, oh, that's really easy. Like I was like really <laughs> scared looking down from the ground up 40 feet in the air thinking it was going to be terrible. But it was totally fine once I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Rock wow. Very fun. I love it. Wow. And I just think it's amazing that it's just such a nice thing to do with your partner. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful. My partner and I, we both love like rope climbing because um, you could do like boulders, which is a whole different style of climbing and there's no ropes and but we love doing um, and we love doing it together. Yeah, it's really, and something that you said, which I mean, so much in what you said, I would never have known, but so much about community and support and trust. Mm-hmm. So many parallels in what you said with business. Uh, it's And ladies and gentlemen listening, it's just this whole idea of getting out of our heads. Yeah. And, and messing up and trusting and reaching out for help when we need it. Mm-hmm. and all of these things to know that we're not alone. Yeah. Because that's the worst when yeah. you feel like you're just in it alone. Yeah. And I think you ne- like you never are alone. And it goes back to what you were saying too about the real mirror. The phrase that I kind of have heard it of is like our like perception of ourselves is not people's reception of us. Hmm. And so a lot of times even like in climbing, like I'll have this perception of myself that like, I'm not that strong or I'm not, you know, I can't do this particular climb yet or I'm not all these things. And then sometimes I'll have conversations with other people and they'll be like, oh, I love watching you climb. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you like do this really well or whatever. And so it's kind of my perception of myself is totally different. Totally different. Than reality, right? And again, that's in my head. And so yeah, all just in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, okay, so as we're almost at the top of the hour, the third and final question, which kind of wraps it up and puts a nice little bow on it, is why do you think creativity is important? I would go back to kind of how I talked about and defined it, of it being this fun, like it needs to be fun. And I think it's like really important to have fun, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like it's, if you don't have, if you're not having fun and whatever you're doing, like if you're not having fun getting dressed and that's really going to suck every day, yeah. you know, like if you're not having fun in your business, especially if you run your own business, like there's something like missing or something that could probably shift. And so I think having, again, that space just to have fun is why creativity is so important because fun is really important. However, you're going to define that for yourself. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, you ask yourself, am I having fun? Yeah. Am I having fun in, like you just said, in whatever that means to you, not how society has defined it, not how your partners defined it, not how your parents have defined it. Yeah. And fun, like going back to rock climbing, like fun, like it can be two things at one time, right? Like rock climbing to me is fun. And at the same time, it is a little scary and I have to like push past some mental barriers and it's mm -hmm. like tough on my body. Right. But at the end of the day, it is still fun to do yes. and I like get fun from it so I think sometimes we equate fun with like playfulness or like being a child or something like that but yes I think there can be a deeper level to to that word definitely and I have to like journal on that to figure Ooh. out like what is my like deeper level of like how I want to define the word fun right like what is that essence and how do I want to then use that I love that the essence yeah my son is gonna he wants to jump from an airplane because he's scared to death of heights. Yeah. So, you know, it's counterintuitive, right. uh, but he's like, uh, it will be, it will bring that elation. It will bring that, that sense of satisfaction. It'll mm -hmm. be the beauty of, oh my God. Like my daughter says, we live on a rock that spins in the universe. <laughs> we live on a rock. So here you are jumping out of a plane and experiencing and seeing that the earth is round and mm -hmm. hearing the things you hear and smelling the things. Well, I don't know if you can smell with the wind coming at you that fast, <laughs> but whatever it is. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. And like one person's definition of fun is going to be way different than somebody else's. And like, he may jump out of a plane and be like, I'm good. I don't need to do that again. Right. I experienced it. Right. And uh, may go and then bungee jump and try that for, you know, heights or whatever. And so I think that's something too, is like not everybody's thing is going to be the same thing and you can try something. And if you don't like it, that's also fine. You just get to try something else now. Yeah. Whew. Such a fun conversation. So it was. Sydney, can you please tell everybody how they can connect with you? Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Sydney Page Bass, and that is Sydney like Australia, page like a page in a book, and bass like the fish. Um, my website is chicstripes.com, and either one of those two places will get you anywhere else you need to go for mindset or business or uh, style. Beautiful. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything left that you feel like you need to say that you missed or are you good? 
I feel good. I think I would just say, going back to the journaling of just journal out whatever is coming up and see like where that leads you. I think that's part of the like being surprised too. Mm-hmm. Of like what what is under there in our subconscious that we're not quite aware of that we can bring to the surface and how can we be pleasantly surprised by that? Mm. And I was watching one of your reels um, and I just liked, and everybody, of course, it doesn't always have to be like this, but the intention, you set a candle, you have your drink, you journal, it's setting an environment mm-hmm. that just feels kind of yummy. Yeah. Yeah. I did that before I had this podcast I like kind of wiped my desk off I got my drinks I got myself situated and just like settled in and it's nice yeah thank you so much for hanging out and chatting with us for this hour Absolutely. so appreciate thank you, you so much Hollis this was like really really fun I got chills like so many times and like even I was taking some notes of things I want to like think through so this was really awesome mm, I'm so glad and yes me too I always take notes as I as I chat mm-hmm. with my person and um, so many quotes in here. Yeah, <laughs> so I many know. And aha moments. So I really appreciate your time. And Absolutely. those joining us live, those catching the replay, we know you can be doing anything with your hour. And we so appreciate you hanging out and listening to us. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. So please, please like, follow, share, spread the word. I feel like we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever to have this community, to have this sense of connection so we can lift each other up and be there for each other. So wherever you are listening in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and look forward to talking to you soon. So goodbye, everybody feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. (laughs) Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's, again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't. We are not made for boxes. (laughs) There is also my TV show, I Am Creative check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link. And you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it. See what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is iamcreativephilly.com. 
So I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story because we all have one.